get back to our seats. And uh, there's some notes on your table. Um, get your Bibles out or your phones ready. We're going to be doing a lot of scripture. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. You're so kind and thoughtful, even though I told you to go do it. All right. Hey, so turn open to John chapter 10. I, I want to talk today about knowing the voice of God. Who in here this morning would say, I would like to hear God's voice more or cle more clearly or more frequently or more whatever, right? Yeah? Amen? amen. If that's you, say amen. 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 I'll get an amen no matter somehow today I'm going to get amens. <laughs> All right. So John 10 if you've been with us the last few weeks, we've been talking about prayer a lot, right? So March was a month of prayer and fasting for our church. Um, we sought the Lord. We're seeking him. We're continuing to seek him for guidance and direction. Amen? Amen. Because we need him, right? No matter if we're a church of 30 or 3,000, we need to stay in a desperate mode of we need Christ in our life, ministering and giving direction for the church, Right? Does that sound good? So, you know, prayer's been good. And I want to thank uh, Eric and Craig and um, Chris and Allison who are off today gallivanting around, taking time to themselves, which I'm so happy for them because they work super hard. But thanks, guys, for preaching on prayer. Wasn't it great to hear all the different perspectives on prayer, communicating with God, um, hearing his voice, knowing who, uh, what prayer is about and the power of prayer, right? I mean, Come on, church, we need to be praying, right? If there's one element we need is to have intimacy with our Lord Jesus Christ, right? Don't forget that the essence of, uh, of, of the mission of Christ and the vision for our church is to know him and to make him known, right? That's, that's why we are here. That's, why we're, that's what we're doing is we're to, we're to know God. And then once we know him and have an intimate relationship growing with him, then that's the only time that we can be effective in getting him known, right? If you try and get him known without knowing him, they call that person a fraud, right? Or a fake or a hypocrite, right? So if we don't truly know him, we most likely won't even attempt to make him known, right? So we got to know Christ. In fact, John, uh, John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that they, you and me and everybody except Jesus, would know the Father. And that word, that Greek word for know, remember, was gnosko. It was a Greek word that talked about an intimate knowing. In fact, it's the same word used in the, uh, in the Hebrew language, too, uh, that was in the Greek when Adam knew his wife. So this isn't just like, hey, I know somebody. You know, I, I'm aware of you or I have an acquaintance. No, this is intimately, personally knowing someone. So in John 10.10, 10, we see an interesting verse. You've heard it before. But I want to talk today about knowing his voice because do you know that you and me are expected to hear God's voice on a regular basis? That's, that was a quiet one right there. Hey, trust me, I, I grew up thinking that basically my understanding growing up was that I only hear God through a guy speaking on a stage at a place called a church or I can read the Bible and that's the, one, that's the main place, that's the only place I really hear God's voice, and that, that was my upbringing. So for me, for someone to say, do you hear God? Well, yeah, I read his Bible. 
And yeah, that's true. That is God's holy word. It's an inerrant, our, our, our doctrinal statement from Foursquare is inerrant word of God. That God's word is awesome, powerful, alive, and active, and true. And, and I believe that. I believe that I believe the Bible is God, God's word breathed to us. Amen? But God is not just confined to only speak the words that are in the Bible. Right? You, you understand that, right? You believe, God can say more than what's actually written in the Bible, right? In, in fact, you know, they said, Jesus said so, so much things and did so many great things that the world couldn't even contain it. If you wrote books, the world couldn't hold all the books. So in John 10, we have a familiar story about sheep and the shepherd. Let's read that in John 10, verse 1. Most assuredly, the Bible says, I say to you, he who does not enter the, enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Verse 3, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. Everyone say, bah. Bah. All right. So you are, we are sheep, right? And the sheep are expected, they hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. Aren't you glad that God knows your name? I mean, seriously, I mean, if you really think about it, yeah, we know he knows everything, but no, he not just knows about your name or knows that it's on a book somewhere in a file drawer in heaven. He actually knows it. He cares about your name. He cares about who you are. He cares about the number of hairs on your head. He cares about what's happening in your day-to-day -day life. God knows you. And we can and have the ability to hear his voice. It says, he calls his sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know and that no is not ganasco, but it's a sister Greek word that almost means the same thing as ganasco. They know, they understand, they comprehend, they have, uh, they have the ability to translate it into their understanding of their mind. So that means they can't just know that, oh yeah, God, God is love. No, they can actually hear God's voice, him speak to them and know that, no, this is God and I can understand him, which is an amazing miracle in itself that we as humans could actually hear God's voice. Don't, don't you think that's a miracle? I do. How's, how's the, um, how is it? Is that pretty good? It's good. I'm glad you're enjoying that. Yeah, I'm jealous right now because I want to be eating. No, no, I can't because, <laughs> thanks, you guys are so nice. Do you guys like this, this way we're doing church? Is this okay with you guys? I enjoy it. I, I, I love it. I'm glad you guys can take notes and eat and drink coffee because um, I'm here uh, and I know we're all here to get more uh, like God. We want to grow and become more and more familiar with who God is. So let's continue. Verse 4, um, uh, he says, And when he brings his own sheep out, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger. Okay, so look with me here. So they, 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 don't know, they know his voice, but they will by no means follow a stranger. So there, right there tells us that God expects you and me to have discernment to know between what is his voice and what is not his voice, okay? So it tells us right away, another thing, that there are multiple voices speaking to us in our hearts. Mikey, will you turn on the air? I'm a little more, I, don't, I won't turn it on a lot. Is anyone else hot or is it just the anointing? Okay, Craig is. But that doesn't mean, you know, you're always hot. Yeah, just put it like, you know, 71, cool, 
fan on. And if it's too cold, let me know or get some more coffee. Um, so we, we got to understand, guys, from this context of the scripture that there are multiple voices speaking to us. Now, you would say, yeah, Doug, well, there's all my friends and family. And I'm not talking physical voices. I'm talking in the spirit. Because God is spirit, right? And so there are many, there's different voices coming in that realm. And we'll get to that a little more. But we are to know... And we're to understand and recognize a stranger when it speaks to us. But, we, uh, but we'll, uh, it says, yet they by no means follow a stranger, but the sheep will flee from that voice, right? Are we to flee from sin, right? Are we to flee? Are we to run like David ran? Are we to see sin and get out of there? Or like Joseph, remember when he got caught in there and, the, and Potiphar's wife grabbed it? What did he do? Joseph ran from sin. He, did, he said, this is not God. I recognize the situation as something that is not holy. I'm running. And so that's what sheep do. They don't follow a stranger. They will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. They, and it doesn't mean they don't hear it. It means they don't connect with it and understand it as God's truth, so therefore they don't recognize or want to be around it. Um, go ahead and play that first video. Uh, you may have seen this on... Um, YouTube or Facebook or something, but it's amazing. And before you hit start, you ready? She's all, yeah, I just hit pause. Um, so here we have a sheep. And so some people are going to call. They're going to say what the shepherd says to get the sheep to come to him. And so we're going to see a few fails. And then we're going to see the actual shepherd come in and say the exact same thing with a different result. So go ahead and let's play it. Turn it up. Isn't that cool? Them all running, all running to them. You can turn it off there. So we see this great picture of them trying to mimic the father's, the shepherd's voice, and the sheep are just eating, they're ignoring him, right? And isn't that a picture of a great Christian that can just be doing their life, doing their thing in their life, and the enemy's talking to you, yeah, you're no good, you can't do this, you're going to fail, you're going to blah, blah, trying to get us down and depressed and distracted and off course, right? And, and we just, we ignore him because, well, that's, that's a loser over there trying to talk to me. My, my, I know my, my master's voice. And that's the only thing I listen to. That's the only thing that tells me who I am. That's the only words that come in and define my identity and my personality, who I am is his voice. And what a beautiful picture. But, you know, we all wish that we had that fine-tuned of an ear as a sheep does, right? That we could just be like, we know exactly when that is. Because sometimes... In our hearts and in our minds, in that realm, we, we have a lot of things and thoughts that pop up in our mind, and sometimes they're hard to discern, you know, and, and uh, in this next clip that she's going to play, you're just going to hear an audio, and you might recognize the, the, if you're old enough, and I got some family here that's definitely old enough to remember these, so I probably will, one in particular guy I'm thinking about, but uh, you, 
you are going to recognize, but sometimes I think for us growing up, we want to hear God's voice, but sometimes this is how we, when we pray and we're asking God a question, this is kind of what we hear back. Go ahead. That's the wrong one. Jeff, where is that from? Oh, there's <laughs> Oh, Steve, you know. Okay. Charlie Brown, right? Charlie Brown, the teacher from Charlie Brown. Right? Have you ever been that way? Like you're praying, oh God, I need direction. What God, what should I do? Go left or right? And you're like, oh Lord, help me. A uh, lot too many of us, I've been there. Uh, too many of us Christians are in that place of not being able to distinguish God's voice. And so my goal today, I want to spend a few minutes giving you some insight and some, some hopefully pointers on being able to recognize his voice better. Uh, maybe getting yourself in a better position to hear better. Uh, maybe taking some spiritual cotton out of your ears so that all, now all of a sudden, that's all I had to do? Yeah, there's simple steps and uh, things you can do according to God's word to get yourself in a better place to hear God's voice, to recognize his voice better. And in your notes there, number one, I want you to remember this, that, and you've got to understand this about prayer, because prayer sometimes is too much of me telling God what I need and want versus prayer being a relationship, a two-way relationship where we communicate one to another. And you've got to remember that prayer, as we've talked about for the last several weeks, Prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue, okay? So if you approach prayer as a monologue, that means you're just yakking the whole time, telling God what you need and how bad it is and all the things you want him to do, but you're spending very little time listening for his voice to speak to you. So prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. And in Numbers 789, didn't know there was that many verses in a chapter, holy cow, except Psalms, but... Numbers chapter 7, 89, we just read that about a month ago, I think, in our journal reading. And, and if you remember, it was an obscure verse when they had, they had built the, the, the temple, the tabernacle, and they, they were dedicating it and stuff. And then this random verse at the end of chapter 7 um, says this about the tabernacle. They had, you know, the tabernacle. Go ahead and put the picture of the tabernacle up now. So you have the tabernacle. And if you remember, this is kind of the basic outline of it. From the right going left, you have the, the, the altar, right? That's where the sacrifices went, right? And then you have this um, where they wash, right? This is the outer court, the laver where they washed and bathed and cleaned up, right? So, and that's the outer court, and that was all open to the sky, right? It was just, it was, a, there was a wall around the whole thing, but there was no enclosure yet in the outer courts. And then when you go in from right to left into the Holy of Holies, the first bigger room, um, the Holy of Holies is where you had the showbread, the, uh, the, golden, uh, the golden candlesticks, right? And then the altar of incense, which was, they put on awesome fragrant stuff that burned before the Lord continuously. And then, of course, there was a huge, thick veil, right, that got ripped on Resurrection Day. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But, that, but until the Resurrection Day, very solid. No one could go in there. One guy, once a year, could go into that room and he would do stuff in there, and then you have the Ark of the Covenant, right? Uh, and there's a, there's the law, the rod, the manna was all in the Ark. So that's your basic look of what that. So, so as this was done, 
Moses would actually go in to the Holy of Holies. He was be, being set up as the, the main priest. He was going to be the voice piece to God, right? Remember, God's intent was that all of Israel would come and get to talk with God, right? That was God's heart. But when they all came, they got scared and afraid and said, no, we don't want to do this. It's too scary looking. Moses, you go here, God, and tell us what he says, and then we'll do what you say. Right, right, yeah. We're reading through Judges right now, so we know that didn't happen, right? So they didn't listen, but they, uh, so Moses went in, and in, in Numbers 789, it says this. Now, when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, God, he heard the voice of one, capital O, speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony from between the two cherubim, thus he spoke to him. So God's voice was being spoken to Moses from the holy of holies above the ark through the cherubim that were facing each other. The voice was projecting out of that area. And that's where God heard it. And, and I, I've read this so many times, but for some reason, this time through, this verse just really jumped out to me. And I said, well, that's interesting, because don't we all have our preconceived ideas of how Moses talked with God? You know, it says he talks face-to-face -face like a friend's talk, right? And he, and he got to hang out with God, and he, he was so much in God's presence that he had to have a veil because he had so much of the glory of God on him from just being around God that people couldn't even look at him. I mean, it was just so awesome and crazy, right? So he had to wear a veil. So we often think of, man, ah, it was so much easier for Moses. My life, though, it's a lot harder to hear God, right? <laughs> Don't we think that? I do. I think that. Like, yeah, these prophets, Elijah, yeah, they just had a special connection. You know, we don't have a special connection. Oh, oh wait, Christ. Hmm. Christ died. He lives in me. Hmm. Oh, Holy Spirit, too. Acts says when the church started, the Holy Spirit fell and covered them. And oh, wow. And the Spirit says, oh, lead us into all. Oh, oh. Not a very good argument, right? So we look back, and I do this a lot. I say, oh, these guys had it extra special. It was easier for them than it is today. And I, 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 that's a lie. And so I want to get us into some things that will help us uh, maybe understand that a little better. So I want you to understand this because we're going to get a little more into this picture later. But, um, and I'll give you a little prelude. So this outer court body, okay, the body, our skin, is open to the atmosphere, right? We live in this world. There's nothing covering us, right? Soul, mind. Holy of Holies, you go into the first room, covered by animal skin, right? Holy of Holies. It's on the inside, but a lot of good stuff happened, and we can talk through some of this if we have time. Then, body, soul, spirit. This is a spirit. No light was allowed in this room. The only light in that room was God's light, his glory, spirit. 1 Corinthians says, your spirit and God's spirit are one. At, at, the, at your birth, when you accepted Christ in your heart, your spirit and God's spirit came together and are now one. 
Wow. Are you, are you, is it blow? Right? So we'll get more to that, but I want you to, because that's a, a good way we're going to learn about how to hear God's voice too. All right, so let's go on our notes. So let's continue down. How can we hear God's voice? I want you to remember a few principles as we, as we get into this. And then we're going to look at four keys. And these four keys are, uh, some of the people in this room are going to recognize it because it's a book we're reading called The Four Keys to Hearing God's Voice. Phenomenal book. Um, I encourage everyone in this room to get a copy and read it. Um, it'll revolutionize your relationship with Jesus Christ. You will start hearing God better. He is a great teaching. I believe it's anointed from the Holy Spirit. I'm, I re I'm reading it through my second time, and I'm learning a ton, and it's awesome. So you're going you're gonna to get way more out of the book if you spend time meditating on that than you will from today. But I hope that you'll leave today with a little encouragement to hear God's voice and to press into his presence a little more. So remember these uh, principles when you're trying to hear God's voice and you want to know and hear him more. Um, hearing God's voice, first of all, is an event and a process. Okay? So learning to hear God's voice, remember, you're learning a brand new language. You don't just walk over and jump off the plane in China and start speaking Chinese just because you're now in China, right? So there's a process, right? So us as Christians, here we are living in the world. We're, we're children of the devil. We all are before Christ, right? You are, you are born in this world with sin. You are born in bondage, and you are born as a son and daughter of hell. And you had to be translated, right? The Bible says you were translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son, right? The light right? So we were all children. So when we got translated over, it was an event. We believed God uh, sent Jesus to die on the cross. We accepted that in our hearts. We believed by faith and bam, we are now citizens off the plane. I'm in Jesus land, <laughs> but I don't know the language here because it's brand new and I'm trying to hear, but I know one thing, he loves me. Right, so, so then that's an event, but it's also the process over time is that you renew your mind to get your mind and your emotions and your will in line with God, and then you start dialing in to the frequency where God is, right? So you start on another channel. Anyone have a, I called it a ghetto blaster. Does anyone remember a ghetto blaster from the 80s? It's, yeah, a ghetto blaster, right? So it's a big, you know, a rapper, boombox, right? They don't even have them anymore. It's Bluetooth, you know. It's an echo dot, Bluetooth, you know, whatever. So, so I had a ghetto blaster, and in that thing, that radio had antennas, and you could tune into 102.5 or whatever you wanted to listen to, but if you were on a little to the right or to the left, what did you get? You got, you know, so it would kind of, you would hear it and go in and out. And the more you tuned over to the right frequency, all of a sudden when it hit that right place, that sweet spot, K-Earth 101, you know, it's a whatever you listen to. And so it came in live and clear and you could hear it. But the, there was a process called tuning in that each of us need to do and as part of sanctification, which means us growing from salvation to Jesus comes back. We're being sanctified. There's a process of being sanctified, becoming more and more like him, and that's a process of dialing in. So when you dial in, if you remember and know that learning to hear God's voice is not just an event one time, it's not like, well, if God wants to speak to me one day, I'll just hear it all of a sudden right? It's not, that, it's not that way. It's not that process. It's more of a you tuning in and getting other frequencies out of the way so all you hear is God. And that's a process and a time. So it's an event. 
and a process. So ne the next bullet point I want you to put in is uh, when you want to hear God's voice and you're trying to get things out of the way and trying to uh, tune in your ears, your spiritual ears, check your motives, check the motives and the attitudes of your heart. So when you're trying to tune into God and listen and you're seeking him for an answer or direction in your life, and you're wanting to, to, to just, maybe you just know him, maybe there is no, nothing you're seeking, but you just want to know him more. Before you enter in, check the motives and the attitudes of your heart. This would be, at this point, because our goal is to get from here over to here, because this is where God's voice is speaking. But we got to get in here, and we got to check our attitudes. We got to maybe make some sacrifices, we got to get a little washing at the labor of the word, right? We got to maybe even in the Holy of Holies, we get in there and there's the lampstand which represents the Holy Ghost, right? Bread, fellowship, altar of incense, worship. So these are things that you can do as you get towards him. You got to check your motives. Why do I want to be with God? Am I, am I going into God because I want something? Or am I going into his presence to hear his voice so that I can finally be happy and get what I want or hear what I want or get direction so that I can continue with my life? Or am I going in to know him? Are you seeking the answer or the answer giver? Are you seeking your miracle or the person? See, if your motivation in your heart to hear God is that you want something out of it, then your heart's wrong. You need to check yourself and go, no, I want to hear God because I love him. I want to know him. And whatever else happens, whatever. The main thing in your heart should be to know him. Paul says, I want to know him in a lot of ways. And Paul even added suffering in there. Maybe you're, Maybe you're not ready to suffer for the namesake of Jesus, maybe you should check your heart and see why is it that you're following him or maybe even why aren't you following him right now? Why, why are you distracted so much with the things of this world? Has the enemy got in and distracted you so much that you don't even think about hearing his voice? Maybe you don't even know where you're at in this whole thing. Maybe you're outside somewhere not even coming in. Maybe you're so busy and distracted that maybe you need to slow it down. Maybe today's a day where you do a rededication. Maybe, you're, you, maybe God's speaking in your heart going, hey, I need to draw you back into the real purpose of your life. This life does not belong to you and me. This life, your life as a believer, has been purchased. You are bought with a price. You are no longer your own. You belong to God. And if we take on, like we said, attitudes and motives, if our life belongs to us, well, you're not going to hear the Lord. You're not going to hear God. You might get little glimpses of uh, dialing really fast to the radio. Have you ever dialed really fast to the radio? You know? Oh, yeah, God. Oh, God said something. Yeah, I love you too. I want to go back to what I'm doing, right? So check your motives and your attitudes of your heart. Now, uh, third one is um, approach him by faith. Approach him by faith. Now, uh, Hebrews, I didn't write this down, but it's 11.2, so, or 11.6. Um, it is impossible to please God without faith. 
You cannot please God unless you're exercising faith, which is the trusting him that his word is true and what he told you and said he would do, he would do no matter what you see with your eyes or perceive with your flesh or your five senses. That does not matter. We live by faith is living by what is not seen, not by what is seen, but what is unseen. So we approach God trusting him in a sense blindly because we can't trust your eyes. Do you believe that? You can't trust your eyes. You can't trust your five senses because they will distract you and deceive you. So you have to approach God by faith, believing like a little child that he is God, that he loves you, that his word's true, and that he has good things for you, that he's a good, good father. He's a good, good father. Right? Songs we sing, we have to literally believe those. Right? We're not supposed to just sing songs. We're supposed to believe them. So approach him with faith. Faith believing. All right, so um, I want to get into four keys. I want to give you four quick ideas or thoughts that can help you tune into God's voice. Now, for those of us that were living along, I'm picking on older people today. Um, my, my best friend turned 49. We were born in the same hospital. We were uh, uh, born three weeks apart. Our moms were best friends. And uh, he, he's turning 49 today. So I text him this morning and said, man, you're one old sucker, man. And... Uh, <laughs> And uh, so, <laughs> but back when me and, me and Greg were friends, we had what we called, and this is going to blow you away, Isaiah, because you probably never heard of this, but we had what we called a busy signal. Do you know what that is? <laughs> you don't, you, you know it just because you're smart, but you don't know it from experience. Stop it. So a busy signal. So was, how frustrating was it? Jeff, when you had a girlfriend, uh, Steve, you know, Mark, you're old, you, Eric, when you're calling someone and you really want to talk to them, right? And it's important, right? And you get that, and you're just, you ever call a, a girl or boyfriend or whatever and you're, you get the busy signal and you're like, wait, someone else is talking to him. Oh. Man, that, he better not be talking to her or else I'm going to punch him in the face. And then call waiting came, right? Yeah. Hold on, hold on, click, hey. Then three-way, right? And then secret three-way, hey, let's call them and I'll listen and they won't know I'm here and we'll ask them questions. Okay, what a mess, right? What a mess. What a mess. Stephanie did all that. My sister did all that. I, I remember listening to her. So the busy signal. So how many would like to remove the spiritual busy signal between them and God? You, you, come on, we've all called God, God, I need something. He's like, maybe, maybe, maybe. You're like, well, no, someone else is talking to him. Billy Graham's talking to him still. Very frustrating. But key number one, if you want to hear God's voice, you want to get through the busy signal, if you want God to click over to you, who wants God to click on over to their call, right? If you want that, key number one, this is our book, in our book too, it's called stillness. Key number one, be still. Here's a few Psalms that, you, uh, that I just want you to listen to. Psalms 46, they're in your notes, you can read them later. Psalms 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 62, 1, truly my soul silently waits for God. For him comes my salvation. Verse 5, my soul waits silently for God alone. 
for my expectation is from him. Psalms 37, 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. You know, many don't hear God's voice or they get the busy signal because they're too busy. They're just simply too busy. And I've said it to this church before and I'll say it a hundred thousand more times that if you are too busy to spend time waiting on the Lord, listening only to him, you are too busy and you need to make an adjustment in your life. And if you don't want to do that, you have the freedom not to do that. But you do not have the freedom to uh, wash away the consequence of not hearing his voice. Because if you're too busy, you are not going to hear God's voice. If you don't give him the time to listen. Now, a lot of us Christians, when we try and listen to it in the phone, or we listen to the Bible, we go to church, we do all these spiritual things, but, but the, I think the, the more mature and the, and the, and the, and the uh, closer you want to get to God, you're going to understand one thing. If you want to know God, you're going to have to shut your mouth and open up your ears and wait. And our world is not designed for that to happen. Oh, how interesting. A world run by Satan is set up so that we would all be so busy that none of us would have 20 minutes to sit there in total silence, no Bible, no nothing, a piece of paper and a pencil and say, God, what do you got for me today? Our society, our culture is so bent and so, uh, the, the, the Bible says, Paul says, don't be unaware of the enemy's schemes, his plans, his tricks. And the enemy right now has been in America is setting up a busyness, technology, and all the things we have. We have so many distractions that are available to us at our fingertips that we could go years without ever talking with God, not ever hearing him. You know, there's so much white noise. There's so much noise in our world today. There's so much distraction. There's, you can watch Netflix endlessly. You can, you can schedule all your evenings, Gary, watching a new series as often as you want. It's endless. If you really want to know God, turn off the stinking TV and dedicate one evening to start a week where you are going to be silent and still and listen. Isn't even that five seconds of silence right there awkward? We can't be in a room with people and have a quiet time. I mean, if we timed a minute, we'd all freak out, probably leave, think the building was on fire. <laughs> be still. Stillness is key number one. There's two things you need to think about when you're trying to be still before the Lord. The first thing is to remove external distractions. So the first thing you want to do if you want to hear God's voice and you're going to have a time of stillness is you want to remove external distractions. That's all the things outside your body. So it's probably not a great idea to sit down, turn the TV on, have the kids in the room playing, the dog with his snacks in the room while you're trying to be still and listen to the Lord, right? Or at work or wherever, you know, in the mall may not be a great idea to listen to Jesus. So uh, external distractions, if they're removed, you've, you've completed step one and you've got yourself in a better position to start 
dialing into God's voice, to dialing into that, that wavelength. And because that, can, that, that takes discipline and a choice. You have to make a decision that you go to a place. You know, Jesus said, find your closet, go pray in your closet. And Jesus was talking about that because he knew that if we found a familiar place every day that we have that's very familiar and quiet and planned, that we could, we could get more out of our devotional prayer time if we had that. And I believe that we all need to, you all need to find a place in your home, outside, wherever, wherever it is where you can get rid of external distractions. Remove any obstacles that will keep you from focusing. Remove anything that, you know, put your phone on silent. Turn it over on it. You know, do whatever you need to do. Get to where you know if, you know, when no one's going to be home. Don't answer the door. You know, remove them all. Second, you need to learn to quiet your inner being. Okay, so these are two different things. Yeah, that's the tough one, right? So here you have a lot of options. So when you quiet your inner being, this is your, your soul, your mind area where you have all these thoughts running. And some of you guys, you, you sit down and you can't be still more than a couple minutes without everything going nutso in the brain right? Because you're thinking of everything that you got to do. Lists start popping up. Pictures start popping up. Ideas start popping up. Lists start popping up. So how do you quiet your inner being? Well, a good idea too before you do this is to make a list. Make your to-do list because you're going to, if you're, if you're trying to listen to God and, and you keep, oh, I got to, I got to go to the store. I got to pick up so-and-so. Oh, I can't forget to write it. I can't do this. And you have all these things popping up. Have a pad of paper on the side. And it, if something comes to your mind that you got to do, simply write it down. Because if you write those down, now you know, and you have more rest and peace knowing that I'm not going to forget them because you're thinking, I don't want to forget. So you get distracted. And there's a lot of other things you could think about, but, but that's a main thing to kind of get your mind quieted. Um, being still before the Lord, spend the first few minutes of that by just uh, worshiping the Lord, maybe singing a song. Get your, get your eyes, get your inner eyes, your heart eyes onto Jesus. Oh, Lord, you're so good. That's why Jesus said, hey, guys, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So we started off prayer by worship. Incense represents the prayers of the saint rising up. It's our worship. It's the, the last thing you do before you get into here and get to hear God's voice. You can start with this. You can worship, and it'll start connecting you. It'll start quieting your heart down. It'll start getting your mind, your inner mind, focused on important things and off of smaller, non-important things. Because as you worship, you exalt Jesus. You make him Big and all your other stuff take their proper place and become small because anything next to Christ takes its proper place. So if you exalt his name and you get your eyes on Jesus and who he is, then all the other things that you thought were so big going into prayer, now you start seeing through worship like, that's no big deal. Why am I so worried about this? Why am I so concerned with this? When Jesus says he'll supply all my needs, that he's going to help me be the head, not the tail. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. He owns the whole earth and everything in it. And I'm worried about a job. Jesus is my provider. The Bible says that God gives you and me the ability to gain wealth. That means he can get you a job. And once you start focusing on him, you don't need to worry about this. You don't need to worry about the interview, Mikey. God's got you. He will provide. And we can rest in his will and know that as we exalt him, it quiets our inner person down. Another thing I do, and this is, you're going to maybe 
laugh or think it's weird, but I actually talk out loud sometimes to my inner man. So if I have any thoughts that I find that are distracting or are anti-biblical in their thought, if it's, you know, worry and stress and fear are all anti-biblical, right? Those are thoughts, strongholds that are anti-God. So if those thoughts pop up in your mind, what I do, I would highly recommend, I start speaking out against them verbally. So if it's a thought of anxiety and I'm worried about something, I just say, oh God, I just rebuke that thought of um, stress and worry over the church and what you're going to do. I just, I give it to you, God. I know that you're going to handle it. So I just, uh, I reject that thought. Actually, Paul tells us to do this. Apostle Paul said to take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. We're going to get to talk that a little later. But I do that to quiet my inner being. Sometimes you have to be vocal. Jesus said, if you want to move a mountain, you got to speak to it. If you want to move stuff in your life, if you want to get through obstacles and, and take down someone that's coming against you and blocking your way, you got to speak to it. You can't just think it. You can't hope it. You can't just wait it out because it ain't going anywhere. You got to speak to it. Say unto the mountain, be removed and cast in the sea. And if you believe and ask in faith and believe in your heart without doubting, it will do it. So you got to speak to your mountains, guys. You got to speak. And so I speak to the enemies that come because I know the enemy wants to keep me from my quiet time with God. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind that the one thing the enemy hates is when I'm still before the Lord listening to his voice because his words his mouth is sweet. It's like honey to my soul. When he talks to me, it lifts me up. It corrects me. It encourages me. It empowers me. Man, his words are the value of life. It's like gold and silver. His words coming out of his mouth are like someone giving me gold and silver and cash and money and anything I want because that's how valuable it is because his words are so powerful. It's life-changing. It, it identifies me. His words speak into me, and then I know who I am. Because of his words, right? So I know the enemy's number one goal is to say, uh-uh, I don't want to. I'm, I'm going to do everything I can. I don't want to read the Bible, but, you know, I guess they're going to read that. But I, they're going to probably go to church and sing worship songs. I, we'll, we'll work on that too. But, man, if there's one priority in our demonic little meeting right now that we're going to not get the Christians to do, we can't have them be still before Jesus and listen. Because if they start hearing God's voice, if they start connecting with God and he starts speaking life, you remember the last time God spoke? Light, be. Waters, go. Animals. He speaks life. And when he speaks to you, it's the same life. And the enemy sees that and says, man, I'm going to do everything I can get you to think and get distracted. You're going to come up with so many ideas that are better than being quiet before the Lord because, oh, you got to go do this. You're busy. You can't sacrifice uh, sleep. All right, sorry, I'll, I'll go on. <laughs> Getting a little personal there. All right, number two. You got one, stillness. Be still before the Lord. Plan it, make it happen. You got to make it happen. It won't happen by itself. Key number two is vision. Vision. Look for vision. Now you go, vision, what? And then right next to it, I want you to put, look to see. Look to see. So in order to see God, we need to look towards God, look at him. Too many people try and hear God um, like they do their spouse or their friend. They think that by 
When they hear God, they're going to hear a voice just like you would hear Gary when I say, hey, Gary, how are you doing? And, and I'm listening in my physical ear and in my mind. I'm trying to articulate and I'm trying to hear an actual voice being spoken that is, sounds just like a physical voice when that's not all what we should be looking for. We, we need to know that God can speak to us and will speak to you as you hear a voice, but maybe not audibly, but you will hear it as a thought. Right, So God's voice to you will be spoken in that way. But I want you to look, I, I, you need to expect God's voice and look for God to speak to you through multiple ways. God is not uh, pointed just to one way only. God's vocabulary and his words are so mighty and powerful that he can speak to you in a thousand different ways. He can speak to you through a sunset. He can speak to you through a tree. He can speak to you through uh, an animal. He can speak, I mean, God can speak to you in multiple ways. God has given me sermons in one second flat. I've gotten a whole, I don't know, I, I, I don't understand it all, but I've gotten it all, I've, and I've, uh, oh, God, it's like I understand, it's like I, it's like I wrote it and knew it, but then I didn't, and he just said, and it was in there, like, his spirit just went bam, and I had, I had three or four points and all the stories and everything, and I was like, I didn't just come up with that. Like, my mind wasn't even close to coming up with this. Like, what just happened? And, and that's how God speaks, because it's kind of like the Matrix. You remember when they plugged the thing? Did anyone Matrix watch me? They plugged the thing in the back, and it's like, I need to fly a helicopter. Hey, download me a helicopter flying pilot's thing, you know? And all of a sudden, he knows how to fly a helicopter. I'm saying that's what happened. And that's happened multiple times to me where I've gotten whole pictures of something or concepts without even doing anything, just like God speak to me or worshiping or praying or whatever. So expect visions and dreams. Expect God to speak to you in visions and dreams. Acts 2.17 tells us that this is part of the New Testament church, right? It says, uh, this is Joel the prophet speaking about the day of Pentecost. He says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and old men shall dream dreams. And so that's just not specifically only that. That's the concept of God wants to communicate to us and speak to us through more than just one simple avenue. Don't don't restrict God. How silly for us to think that, God, you need to speak to us, and it's this way only. You got it? Listen to me. I'm talking to you, right? And, but God says, no, look, I'm God. I'm a creator. I can communicate in ways that you don't even know yet. And so we have to open up our hearts to say, God, help me have vision to see. Help me look in the spirit so I can see and hear you in the way you're communicating. If you look through a lot of the prophets and a lot of the seers of the Old Testament, that was seer was the same word as prophet. For that. But if you look at their lives, a lot of them said, I was in the Lord's place and I saw. John and Revelations, right? Many Old Testament prophets said, I, I was in heaven and I saw Isaiah. I saw this. And that was how the Lord communicated and talked to them. So look, expect in your life as you approach God, that God can speak to me in multiple ways, and these are all biblical. I can, I can give you hundreds of verses on these that you'll find in the Bible that this is how God communicates and is one of the ways he does communicate. So expect those. Secondly, ask for, um, ask for them. Uh, you have not 
because you ask not. James says that in James chapter 4 too. Um, you don't have because you don't ask. And a lot of times we want to approach God in one way, but if you want to learn God's voice, you need to ask God, God, speak to me. Speak to me however you want, God. Speak to me in vision, dream, whatever it's you. I, I just want you, God. I don't care how it gets done, but I want to be open to the ways that you've clearly communicated in your word that you have spoken to your people. And if you'll speak to Isaiah this way, you'll speak to me this way. If you even spoke to Jesus in a way, you'll speak to me in the same way. God's no respecter of persons. He doesn't put one above the other. He's the same yesterday, day, today, and forever. If he spoke to Moses face to face, he'll sp speak to you. You don't have to say, Oh, well, you know, you can make a million excuses of why God won't talk to you. And who does that sound like? Who's going to try and convince you? Is God going to be like, hey, will you quit it? I just did that in the Bible to show off. I, I don't really want to give you dreams and visions. I just want to, I want you to struggle. And I want you to read the word. And I want you to get the busy signal. And I want you just to focus on only one way that I'll talk to you. And that's it. How does that sound? Does that sound like Father God, the creator of the universe? Doesn't sound very creative, right? So we have to be open to that. So you have not because you ask. So ask. Ask in faith. Next bullet point. Jesus operated in them. So in, your, in that line, I want you to write, Jesus did what he saw the Father doing. Wait, Jesus did what he heard the Father doing? No, Jesus did what he saw the Father doing. Look at John chapter 5, 19. And we're wrapping it up. We'll hurry up. Um, in verse 19, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise, because he sees what the Father does. So Jesus looked and saw what the Father was doing. Now, how did Jesus see what the Father was doing? No, he's not the Father. No, the Father is distinct. They are one. But he saw the Father doing something. Huh? In tune. So, yeah, through prayer, right? So if he's in tune with God, he could see. But wouldn't, you, well, wouldn't it be like, hey, I need to do something. God, here, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. How many have made those prayers? Oh, I do it all the time. God, just tell me, and I'll do it. Just speak to me. But instead of going, here, physical ear, physical world, I'm trying to relate to God through my flesh. God, just speak to me. And he says, no, 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 no. Look with your heart. Look with your spirit person. Holy of holies. I'm speaking from your spirit, man. You've got to be spirit. You've got to be in spirit and look and see what I'm doing. And you've got to learn to look, not just listen in a physical sense, but look and see. God uh, Jesus, through prayer and intimacy with the Father, would have vision, would have insight, would have know exactly what the Father is doing, would see. So when he walked up and healed someone, I believe that Jesus didn't go, well, I think I'm just going to heal him because I can, and I'm, you know, I'm just awesome. I think Jesus, through prayer and through his relationship with the Father, was so tight <clears throat> that he would walk up and the Spirit would speak to him and impress, give him an unction, a picture, and say, I want to make that person well. I want him to see and I think Jesus goes, I just saw what the Father's doing. The Father wants him healed. Right now, pick up some mud and put it on his face. What? All right, God said it. Hey, if you, once you start hearing God, you just... 
Okay, go wash. He didn't just, he did that because he saw it happen. He saw it. Jesus saw it. In, the, in his spirit, God said, that's where, Father God said, boom, go. And Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. Only do. So where should our eyes be fixed on? Be fixed on God. God, what are you doing? What do you want to do in this situation? When you walk by someone, say, God, help me see. Help me see what you're doing in this situation. When you uh, encounter someone at the mall or in a store or uh, there's a homeless guy, whatever it is, however it is, you, you run into an old friend, don't just take time and go, God, what, help me see. Today, help me see not just, I want to hear you, God, but I want to hear you in my vision. I want to be able to see what you're doing. I want to be able to, 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 to know, not just by the spoken word that you speak into my heart, but however that comes, whether it's an impression, whether it's, it's uh, sometimes I'll be praying for someone and I'll just have one word, and I'll, just, I'll be praying and all of a sudden a word will pop into my mind and I'll be like, okay, a spontaneous thought that lights up the mind just pops in there and I'm like, that's weird. So immediately uh, the word is, that's not bad. There's nothing evil about it. So, man, it just popped in there while I'm praying. Okay, God, are you speaking to me through this avenue versus what I'm trying to get from you? And so I'll say to the person, hey, I, I, I'm praying and I'm hearing this word. Does that mean anything? <gasps> oh my gosh, God's been doing da-da-da. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's seeing what God's doing and partnering with God as you walk through life and not trying to go, God, tell me what to do and I'll do it. I just watch it go, God, what do you want to do? And as you read the word more and you get more of God's word in you, it starts becoming easier and easier to see what God's doing. So look to see what the Father's doing. The next bullet point is we're commanded to uh, look this way. Uh, Hebrews 12, 2 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us... Uh, run with perseverance and uh, the race that's marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And that Greek word is interesting because it, it really means to get your eyes off of everything else but Christ. And not only to, the, the word doesn't mean just get your eyes off of everything else and onto Christ, but it means to picture or imagine or see him in a visionary way, picture Christ. Get your eyes fixed on him, his face. Fix your eyes on Christ. We're going a little over, so let's uh, hustle here because we got one exercise at the end to do. Key three, uh, spontaneity. Spontaneity. S-P-O-N-T-A-N-E-I-T-Y. I say that because I didn't know how to spell it. I had to look it up. Spawn, S-P-O-N, tan, T-A-N, E-I-T-Y. Spontaneity. Spontaneous. So the spontaneous. Now in this key, this is where you look for the spontaneous thoughts that light up your mind, that pop into your head, that you get while you're praying for someone. And to not see, the problem, church, is that we have worshipped rationalism. If there's one thing I'm learning in this study that we're in, in this book, is that I have had to repent from worshiping rationalism, which means I only use logic to figure out what is right. And it's a, it's a, it's a left brain? Help me out here. I'm all, I always get those mixed up. Yeah, left brain. It's a left brain way to solve problems. Instead of using the whole mind, which is right brain and left brain, God gave us both sides to use correctly, but our, our culture is designed for left brainers, right? So left brain is communication, speech, math, right? And all the stuff that's in school. 
And then all the right brain stuff like singing, guitar, intuition, all that stuff is kind of frowned upon or an elective, sadly. right? Huh? Yeah, sadly. Yeah, very sadly. And so we've been trained as Americans in our culture to be rational only, and that has hindered all of us Christians from really operating in the Holy Spirit and hearing God's voice clearly because we're not used to. We're trained to be like, no, it's got to be logical and deductive and and, if it, and a spontaneous thought. We can't. No, that's untrustworthy. Well, it's maybe spontaneous to you, but it's not spontaneous from God. He's planning it the whole time. I remember a great story. My mom, she was driving back from um, up in Chico. There was a, um, uh, what was that retreat center called? Living Springs? Richardson Springs? Richardson Springs. And she was, I think she was up there doing something or up that way. And she was driving home and she was telling me one day, she's like, hey, um, I was driving home. I had the weirdest thing happen. I don't know if you guys remember the story. Do you remember where I'm going? No? So she was driving down this road and, and the, God was really dealing with her on listening quickly to what the Lord was saying. It's like God is just, you know, instead of going debating with God, if God speaks to me, I obey right then. I don't go, well, God, I don't know, and maybe later. So she's like, God was just teaching me, man, I want you to obey right away. And so she's driving around, and it's a curvy thing, and it's coming out of the foothills. And all of a sudden, she just hears God says, stop right now. So she's coming around the corner. She's like, stop. They got this spontaneous thought, lit up her mind, stop right now. And she hit the brakes. And as she hit the brakes, she came around the corner and deer were crossing right in front of her. And she said, I would have totally hit them. Do you guys remember that story? A little bit. Yeah. And I'll never forget that because I thought, wow, God can pop stuff in your mind to save your life if we would just obey. But we're so rationalism says, well, that's dumb, some weird voice coming into my head telling me to stop. and say, you know, we, we, we look at that as a rational thinker and think that's not rational. But God wants us to use both sides of our brain so that we are open to, and this is what I had to do. You can do it too. Isaiah, I had to repent from blocking off those spontaneous thoughts as non-spiritual. Because that's what I did. As a rational thinker and a Western person that lives in a Western culture, I got to the point where I was... That didn't make sense, and if it doesn't make sense and have logic to it, it's not real. Okay, so that's the thing. So I, I mean, I, I repent, I've been repenting all through this book because my system of thinking is, is being corrected to more of what God says in his word. So in key number three, um, spontaneity, your first bullet point, God relates to us in spirit. In spirit, God relates to us. And I'm sorry, guys, I'm going long. I just can't get this right, huh? My wife's like, I told you, babe. Shorten it up. Do you guys want to end now or you want to go through, you want to finish the points? Okay, that's what makes. All right. So God relates to us in spirit. In John 4:21 is a great story. And John, this is where Jesus runs into the um, the uh, the woman at the well. Remember? What what was it what was happening there? Woman at the well. The lady had how many husbands did she have? Five, right? Good job. So she had five husbands. Remember, she was talking to God. Jesus wasn't even supposed to be talking to her because you don't do that, right? But he was talking to her, and, and she said, yeah, he said, yeah, you, uh, you're not even with the husband right now, and he's not even your husband right now. And she's like, oh, you're a prophet, you know? Like, duh, yeah. So anyway, so she, Jesus is talking to this um, lady who has had five husbands. She's living with her current husband, not a husband. And they get in this conversation and we pick it up in 21. And Jesus said to the woman, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You will worship, 
you worship what you do not know. We worship Jews. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and has now come, Jesus said, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Look what he's seeking. The Father is seeking out people who will worship him. God is spirit. Say that. God is spirit. That's what Jesus, this is Jesus talking, right? He kind of has some authority on what we can say. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in the spirit and truth. And you could put in with worship, because sometimes we think, oh, we have to only worship him in, so it's just in praise and worship. That's not what it means. That's not what, it's not about singing songs. It's about how we relate and uh, we, we live with God. We, we worship him, meaning, yes, we bow down, we reverence him, he's our Lord, but we relate to him, we, we communicate, we commune with him in spirit. Because God says, I'm a spirit being. This is reality. Your physical realm is not reality. It is going to end. It had a beginning, and one day I'm going to wipe all of it out. The earth will be destroyed, and I'm recreating it all. But what's going to remain is your spirit, because you are a spirit being. You have a mind and soul, and you live in this body, which is one day going to die, become worm food, and be gone. And then God's going to give you a brand new body. Hallelujah. Amen. Anyone want to? Okay. I want a new body. I want a new one. I mean, I'm super young, and I'm already feeling age, too, you know. Um, but God's going to give us a new body. <laughs> you like that? Huh? I, I figured my brother would pick that out. Um, super duper, way below 50. Um, but God's going to give us a new body. And so God said, you got to relate to me. If you want to be around me, if you want to operate in my kingdom, yeah. is his kingdom a spirit kingdom? Yeah, and that doesn't mean in the spirit realm, there's going, when you're in the spirit, there's going to be things and around and there's going to be objects, but not like we know them. But still, there's going to be places and things and cities and all that stuff. So there's going to be a physical portion where the physical and spirit actually bombard and break together, right? Because New Jerusalem's going to come down, right? I'm getting a little end times here, but New Jerusalem, which is, by the way, how big is New Jerusalem? Anyone know? No, the New Jerusalem. Pastor, yeah, it's a cube, you're right. How big is it? Miles, so yeah, you're on the right track. So, do you have it? Huh? You're right, yeah, I, was, I think it's 15, yeah, 1,500 miles long, 1,600 miles wide, and 1,600 miles tall. Thank you, D, yes. That would barely fit with some a few hundred miles on each side in the United States. Yeah. I mean, you just think of that, it blows your mind. Like, what? Anyway, <laughs> that kind of makes me want to just go, God, you're so cool. Can I just start praising and worshiping you now? God is spirit, and in the spirit, you must relate to him in the spirit. So when we want to hear God's voice, we must relate to him from our spirit being, right? Spirit being, body out here, Soul, mind, Ark of the Covenant, the Holy of Holies is right in here, spirit man. Now, I want to get to the next one because uh, it's exciting. So we're, we're relating in spirit. So um, skip down to the next bullet point. It says, we must discern the source of every thought. So in the spirit, 
you have to discern every thought. And that's 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 5. You guys have all heard it. It says to take every thought captive. Listen to what it says to do. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Think about it. So every argument, wait, who's arguing? Well, your heart, your spirit man, and the devil is casting in thoughts, right? So you have God. When he speaks, you hear it as a thought. When the devil speaks, you hear it as a thought. When you have your own thoughts, you can think of your own stuff too. So you have these three channels coming in. And so you're like, whoa, how do I, you know, how do I know which is God and which is me and which is not? Well, here Paul says, we destroy every argument and every lofty opinion that raises itself against the knowledge of God. So unless we know the word, unless we're buried in God's word and know it and are meditating on it day and night, where we're so familiar with God's truth that when a lie presents itself, we recognize it right away. The way you recognize a thought is not from God or, and not, or from you is to be so familiar with God's word and have it so hidden in your heart that David said he would not sin against God, that you have God's word so relevant right here that when a lie comes in your mind and says, hey, you're not going to be able to do that. And you go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Huh. God says, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. He says, in fact, nothing is impossible with him. So I beg to differ on that. And I, oh, what does it say? Uh, take every thought captive and, and to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience. Whoa. So you're to actually take this thought, punish it, speak to it, drag it to the throne of Christ and say, Jesus... This thought says, I'm not going to be able to do this, what you told me to do. What do you think of it, Christ, Jesus? And he says, I think it's a lie. Kick it out. doesn't belong here. So that's the, the concept we do. So if we want to hear the spontaneous or the spontaneity of the Holy Spirit speaking and, and, and lighting up our minds and hearing God's voice that, we have to realize that we are operating in a spirit to spirit. We are God is spirit. We must relate to him in spirit. We must discern these thoughts by the word of God to know what is God and what is not. And then lastly, we need to tune into flow. Not flow from Mel's diner, but tune into flow of the river. That's an old one, right? Carla, thanks for texting me that this morning. I was asking Carla, what's that old show you used to watch all the time? And she's, no, I'm kidding. Um, Kiss my grits. Isn't that what she said? I actually kind of like that show. It's been a while. So tuning into flow, F-L-O-W, um, John 7, 37. Remember this, Jesus was at the high point of uh, a feast and he yelled out, he said, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Is that literal or figurative? Spiritually figurative, right? I mean, so he's not saying that, hey, look for flow. Well, you know, that would be weird, right? That could be a, that could be a, you know, never mind. Look for flow. So look at this. Whoever believes in me, the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, this he said about the spirit. So now we've connected that this flow, this river is not literal water. It's actually literally the spirit of God right? Whom, uh, whom those who believe in him were to receive, for as yet the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been glorified. Has Jesus been glorified? Come on, church. Has Jesus been glorified? Yes. 
Has the Spirit been given? So when you're turning into the flow, what are you tuning into? The Spirit of God in you. And when the Spirit of God starts flowing and bubbling up, rivers of living water will bubble up and flow. And when you feel that bubble up in your spirit, man, that's God trying to speak to you and bring life to you. What does a river do? It brings life to where it goes, right? The Spirit of God, as it bubbles up and speaks to us and and impresses on us, it starts bubbling up inside. So we need to, if you want to hear God's voice, you need to start tuning in your heart antennas to the bubbling up and the flow of the Holy Spirit because the Spirit of God lives in you. The Bible clearly teaches this church that the the Holy Spirit lives in you and is active, is going to lead you into truth, guide you in all things, teach you things. The Holy Spirit is going to comfort you. So all that is coming from this flow and you've got to learn to tune into his voice so that you can hear him and be led by that. But if you're into rationalism like I was and had to repent and turn from it, I thought, now that sounds like new agey, or that just doesn't make sense. That's not logical. Oh, but it is so logical. See, we understand from our end it may not be, but from God's end it makes perfect sense because he made it. So I'm a Christian rationalist or a God view rationalist. <laughs> All right, so then uh, next bullet point, I want you, uh, you need to look in this flow. You need to look for unctions. What are unctions? Impressions, pictures, concepts. In Galatians 5.13 says this. It's quite a bit, but I'm going to read a little bit because I want you to get the idea. Because in our spirit, you're to, when you're listening for God, when you're in your quiet place, you're still, you've removed distractions, you're tuning into the flow of the Holy Spirit, you need to start looking for unctions, those things that just give you, have you ever been, have you ever had an unction to call somebody or someone's name just popped up into your mind and you called it and, and that really turned into something, wow. Um, I was driving up to paradise one day and uh, I was praying and I had an old friend from Bible college, his name is Steve Mickle. And Steve was on my basketball team, great guy, hadn't taught, we were friends, but more of acquaintances, we weren't really close buddies, but we, you know, we played basketball together. And so he's up in Oregon somewhere, pastoring a big old church, and, uh, and, I, and I know him, I knew his wife, we, we, he, she was our statistician on our team, and, and, uh, but hadn't talked to him for probably 10 plus years. So I'm driving up to Paradise one day, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden, Steve Mickle's name drops on my mind, like, out of the blue. I, I don't, I'm just like, why am I thinking about Steve? So I decided that that might be God. So I started praying, God, what are you trying to say? Why, why am I feeling this deep? And I, at part of this time, I started weeping. I'm like, what's going on here? And then I asked God, God, what do you want me? What are you doing? What are you saying? And so he gave me this awesome picture and vision, which I actually recorded on my phone because I was driving. And I got such a strong impression of a picture. And, and, I, and God told me to speak it out. So I, I spoke it into the recorder while driving, probably not the best idea. Um, and he said, now send it. And I said, well, Lord, let me read it over and like make sure it's the right thing. And he's like, nope, just send it. I'm like, oh my gosh. Okay. So I sent it. So Steve actually, um, this was several years ago, but Steve actually got the message because I sent it to him in an email or something and he got it, listened to it. And it was just a word for their church. And he, um, so my other buddy that I knew from another youth pastor was actually up on staff with him and called me and said, hey, what did you say to Steve? 
I'm like, oh, what, what do you mean? He's like, that, you gave some word. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did. What, what happened with it? Um, good, did it encourage anybody, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, he played it at our staff meeting, and, you know, they blah, 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 and it encouraged them and whatever. And uh, so it was like, wow, that was cool. Like, it had nothing to do with me. I just, I tuned into flow. I didn't know I was tuning into flow, but I was like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? Because I have something rising, bubbling up in here that, it's not coming from here. It's not my, I'm not deducting anything. I didn't have, I knew nothing about his church at all. Like I didn't even know what he was doing and where it was or what, you know, anything. So it was like all this stuff started coming up and I just, I showed this picture of, it was, there was a mountain and I described where the church was and what, what the church needed to do to get over here or something like that. I don't even remember it, but I remember it meant something to them. And so that, when we look for those, when we pray, we have to look for those types of communication models from God. Wow, it's 12.10, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that's my curse. Um, all right, so um, unctions, impressions, and pictures. Galatians 5, if you want to read through that later, it talks about the battle between the flesh and the spirit, and that if we don't gratify, it actually talks about lust, the, the desires, the lust of the spirit, and if, as you look in there, you'll see that... Um, that, that the unctions, impressions, pictures, and concepts give you that, that, the same concept in there that if we walk by the Spirit, we will not walk according to the, to the flesh. So if we walk according to the Spirit, we'll be, we'll be listening to those unctions and impressions, not the unctions and impressions and pictures from the flesh. Because just like the Spirit can impress, the flesh, the soul, the mind, the will, all that stuff will put things on your mind to draw you away from God. So... Uh, there's a lot in there. Maybe we should have saved, maybe we should have broke this up into more parts. But anyway, let's finish up the notes and I'll let you guys go. Um, so the next thing, uh, bullet point is you will hear God more if you start obeying him more. So if you want to start hearing God more, you need to start doing what he told you to do the last time he talked to you. So if you want to increase the, the, the vocabulary and the communication skills between you and God, when he tells you to do something and you get that extra impression, you take the risk and do it. Come on, how many in here have done something that they didn't want to do and they felt foolish doing? Huh? If you haven't, do it. And I challenge you, I challenge everyone in this room, I, I believe right now in Jesus' name that God some way today will give you an opportunity to do something or say something to someone else and that I want you to listen to that flow, tune into the Holy Spirit, and do it. I've been walking by people, and I remember at the gym, you know, I was working out, and this, I forget, forget what happened, but I remember I did not want to say to this guy what God told me to say to him. And you know what? And I don't even know what happened, but I told him. Because I said, you know, I don't even care. And I think sometimes you just gotta, I'm going to do what God tells me to do, and whatever happens after that's up to God. right? And I just told him something, I don't know, I don't even remember. But I remember feeling like, oh man, this is stupid. What am I doing? But see, if you don't do that, if you don't obey God in the little things, he's not going to give you bigger things or more stuff to say, right? He's got to trust you in the small things before he gives you more to speak. You with me? So you'll hear God more if you start obeying him more in what he's telling you. Um, and then you don't want to, obviously, if you're listening to God, that's great, but uh, you want to crucify the flesh? Stop obeying the flesh's voice. Stop obeying its voice. If you want to crucify the flesh, stop obeying the voice of your flesh. Your flesh says things like, have another burger. Your flesh says, hit snooze one more time before you get up and spend time with the creator. 
right? Your flesh says, tell that guy how good of a driver you think he is, right? That, those are thoughts coming into your mind. If you want to crucify the flesh, if you want to hear God more, start killing the flesh by stop listening and obeying the voice. So you talk. If the voice comes up and says you that, that your opinion is needed for someone else's driving, you say, nope, that's not, that's not edifying to that person. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to actually instead pray for that person that they will go to the uh, class to learn how to drive better, and I'm going to give them 20 bucks to know. Um, so are you with me? So crucify the flesh. And then the last key, number four, is journaling. Journaling. God wants you to write stuff down. God said many times in the word as he spoke to his prophets, look and now write what you saw down on paper. And I believe God, there's a many, many great things that you get from journaling, but a lot of it is just like taking notes. It connects with you better. It helps you remember, it, it, you learn it deeper, and it get, gets more into your core of your being. Because God has much to say to you. God has a lot to say to you, and you got to believe that. you got to believe that God wants to speak to you. And then the second bullet point, put on the eyes of a child. You've got to approach hearing God like a child. If you overthink it and try and use all your rationalism on it, you'll never hear God. You have to put on the eyes and the heart of a child to believe and trust God that he's speaking from your spirit to you. He spoke to Moses from the Holy of Holies, from the Ark of the Covenant. Where is that Ark of the Covenant? That's your spirit man right now. That's where God lives. That's his temple. He's living in you, his spirit. Now, when you look to your spirit and go, God, speak to me, you've got to see it like the eyes of a child. And then last, listen with the eyes of your heart. You've got to listen with your heart, not your, when you operate in the spirit, and many people get nervous when the Bible says, um, when you speak in tongues, your mind is unfruitful, and they're like, oh, wait a minute, hey, your brain, you can't turn off the brain. No, sometimes turning off your brain is the best thing you can do for yourself, because that's where rationalism, the, the, the demon rationalism lives, and will keep you from the eyes of your heart. Okay, guys, so I, I know it's long, but I'm, I'm not done, and I'm going to have you do an exercise, and we're done, I promise. Um, but I want you to take this seriously. I want you to open up your hearts right now, and there's blank paper on your, um, on your, on your table. I want you to get a pen, and I want you to get ready to write. We're going to do this. We're going to be doers of the word and not hearers only. So get a piece of paper. I told God I would be a church that would always make people feel a little uncomfortable, else it wouldn't be real church. So you're going to feel a little uncomfortable, some of you, some of you won't. So I want you to, I want you to if you need to, uh, find, you know, get on your table, close your eyes, focus on the Lord, get distractions out of your mind, fix your eyes on Jesus, picture him on the throne, picture him somewhere where you are familiar, and, and, and I want you to ask Jesus a question. And I want you to write down what you're hearing in your spirit saying to him. And I want you to ask him, Jesus, what do you think about me? So ask that question, and I'm going to give us just a few minutes, and I want you to listen, focus in on your spirit, tune into that flow of the spirit, and listen, and ask God, Lord Jesus, what do you think about me? And then just write down in childlike faith, don't judge your writing, don't judge what you're hearing, just write it down and we'll test it out later. So go for that.